Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's pod, our first of 2021, we're shaking things up a bit and we'll be unveiling the ultimate guide to quarterly business reviews for value-added resellers. Those watching on the RSP YouTube channel will have the added benefit of seeing us walk through the PowerPoint template that we've created to help you serve your customers better through QBRs. Now, if you're not watching and only listening, don't feel like I'm going to end this one right now, skip to another podcast. No, you will still benefit a ton from hearing this discussion. And we'll also tell you how you can get your own copy of the ultimate guide to QBRs for VARs. Our special guest today is a good friend and is the driving force behind this QBR project. Jeremy Julian is the Chief Operating Officer of VAR ISV Hybrid CBS North Star in always sunny Orange County, California. He's also the host of the popular Restaurant Technology Guys podcast. And later this year at Retail Now 2021 in Nashville, Jeremy will be handed the gavel to serve as Chair of the RSPA Board of Directors. Jeremy, always a pleasure to connect with you. Great to work with you and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, and uh, thanks for having me, Jim. I, I always love uh, a good conversation that uh, we can help uh, our audience out. Yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, before we dive into the slide deck, Jeremy, that you and I have really volleyed back and forth over the past uh, several weeks, if not months, can you share with our audience how this idea to create a QBR guide for VARs came to be? What's the genesis behind this project, and why do you think it's important for our audience? Um well, it, it's uber important, and hopefully through this, lap, you know, the next 30 or 45 minutes as we talk about it, our audience is going to hear why. But it really started as we um, as we were meeting with our clients and we tried to articulate the things that we were doing anyway, which was kind of really understanding and asking what it is that the clients are looking for and where they're looking to go. And so at a recent event that I was at, I had mentioned QBRs and I got a couple of side notes um, I think it was actually at the symposium earlier this year, I had thrown it out and I got a couple of side notes saying, what is a QBR and how do you do them? And I had reached out to you, Jim, and says, I think we, I think it's probably time for us to create a guide to help some people out um, for those that are interested in it. But really the inception of how we've done them, it's been close to 20 years that we've been doing QBRs with all of our largest clients. And it started, quite frankly, with, with a large client that was on rapid growth and they hired some professionals from a big consulting firm and they were the ones that introduced us to what a qbr was what the phraseology was and and uh, we jumped straight into uh to doing just that um you know over 20 years ago as a business yeah thank you for that and uh you know i've been talking for years you and i've been communicating about this for years and so i've talked to vars and found out some of their best practices do involve qbrs but i've said to other resellers and ISVs, you should do a QBR, you should do a QBR, but we've never given them the roadmap in mm -hmm. order to do that. And that's kind of what we're going to do here uh, today, Jeremy, I guess, is that, you know, kind of your thought as well in terms of how this came to be and the why behind uh, us doing this? Absolutely. And I and and ironically, I think there's a couple of things that you were able to ascertain from a couple of the other resellers that um, are going to actually help our business as well. Because ironically, and as terrible as this is as a leader in the business, there was actually two team members on my team that said, hey, I didn't realize we did those. Can you give me a template? Because I want to start doing them for myself. And I had just always done them for the most part or had been involved in, in the majority of them. And so you, in turn, the, the teacher is going to become the student in, in, a, in a little bit here 
or at least we're going to be able to roll out some of the things that you've also been able to get from some of the other resellers. So I'm looking forward to not only the conversation, but to, to seeing the results of actually performing the QBRs with our client base and hearing what the resellers have to say as they uh, listen to this and download the guide and start to utilize it. Wonderful. Let's get into it. And so, uh, again, before we get into each specific slide, so this, what we've designed is a tool for resellers. This slide deck isn't simply for our presentation today, our conversation today. It's something that you're going to be able to use the slide deck itself to execute your own QBRs. Now, that's available only to RSPA members exclusively. So the first few pages are a guide for you and your team in terms of here's the why behind a QBR, here's how you set it up, things of that nature. So what you do is you can save that as a template and then you'll be able to uh, you know, save the other version and start building it as an actual QBR, delete the first few pages, delete the last page, and you'll see a whole bunch of slides you're able to be able to slot in some of your own data as well. So you can download the deck at the RSPA website under the resources tab, then go to member business resources, or make it easy on yourself, just email membership at gorspa.org and let us know that you want a copy of the ultimate guide to QBRs uh, for VARs. So, all right, well, let's get into it. Let's walk through uh, each slide here today. And so I'm going to kind of play the role as play-by-play, -play, and Jeremy's going to be the color commentator and really filling in the gaps. And again, if you're listening uh, only and you're not viewing it, don't feel like you're at a complete disadvantage. Don't feel like you should jump to another pod right now. Um, we're going to really uh, help uh, paint this out for you. So there are five goals to the QBR. Number one, fully understand who your customer is. Number two, fully understand where your customer is going. Number three, fully understand how you can help. Now that has to be you getting that between your ears in terms of what you can do to help, but they're also communicating that to your merchant, to your customer. They have to understand how you can help as well. And doing this is going to help you achieve trusted advisor status. Uh, goal number four is to improve the relationship. Jeremy, I think this is your phrase we have here. Get to a good place with the customer. And then five is close the loop, map out the next steps that you and the customer are going to take. So again, it's fully understand one, who your customer is, two, where your customer is going, three, understand how you can help, four, improve the relationship, and five, close the loop. Jeremy, which of those uh, do you want to take and, and add some color to for our audience? Which uh, do you think needs a little bit more explaining? Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little bit higher even than this. Is is we as a VAR believe we're an extension of this customer's IT staff, and without us, they're not able to operate their business. And so, all five of these are critical to truly getting to understand what the customer's needs are and making sure that you're fulfilling those. And you know, you and I talked about it um, in our back and forth as we were building this deck. Our goal is not just to sell something to our customers. Our our goal is to solve their problems. They, you know, go back to Simon Sinek. People buy the why. They don't necessarily buy the what or the how. You know, often, way too often we're selling the what or the how. Oh, it's got this faster, you know, printing capability. It's got this faster processor. It's got this much more memory. But really they're buying our solution because you're solving a problem for them. And if you don't understand what their problem is, it's impossible to solve it for them. And so a lot of this is really digging into what are they trying to solve as a business? Where are they trying to go? And how do we help them achieve those growth objectives, those financial objectives, those business objectives, whatever it is that our customers are looking for? Because some of them are fine to just stay exactly who they are. And you know what, that, that, and we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit, but 
um, if your customers are growing, if your customers are looking to take on things, understanding what they're looking for helps you to understand how you can help them achieve those objectives. Right, and one thing I liked about this is we were talking about it, reminds me a lot of a very thorough hiring process. Right before you bring somebody on board, you have to really understand them thoroughly to find out, is this a good fit? And just like when you're initially onboarding a customer, is this a good fit? Are we gonna be able to help them? But oftentimes you have a customer on board for a year, two years, three years, four years, and you don't ask these questions and you don't really continue to get to know them as they change and they evolve and they don't get to know you as you change and you evolve. I guess, do you see it in uh, similar ways or am I just because I've, I've always liked hiring best practices, I'm, I'm drawing connections where I shouldn't? No, 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 I think you're absolutely correct. And I think the other piece that, that I would add to that is when you're in connection with those people, um, you know, that, that old saying, you know, everything looks like a, 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 a nail when all you have is a hammer. You know, if all you have to offer is point of sale, point of sale, point of sale, but the customer's looking for mobile payments or they're looking for online ordering, you know, you've had, you know, 2020 was the year to forget um, as we look back on it here in January. Um, you're, you know, 2020 was the year to forget, but there was a lot of new technology that our customers needed and wanted. Were you part of that solution? Did they even call you back to your being a trusted advisor to say, how do I help get mobile payments? That Those types of things come up in a QBR that says, hey, we're really looking to roll out mobile payments. We're really looking to roll out curbside. And you may not have something that's part of your product offering today, but that's where you utilize something like the RSPA and you know virtual trade shows and, and your supplier vendors to be able to know that you can supply that to these customers or you have a partnership with somebody else that can. Exactly, very well said. And you know, for some folks who are listening to this and haven't implemented QBRs yet, um, it's gonna take a long time to play catch up early on, but it's better to do this and, and then start on a quarterly cadence uh, with, your, with your customers. So this jumps next to who? So which customers should have a QBR? And so you uh, divide this into three different categories, Jeremy, you have growing customers, flat customers and shrinking customers. And let's take those one by one. So first for growing customers, you say they need a QBR, they should be your highest priority so you can grow along with them and you can achieve strategic partner growth together. Can you uh, expand a little bit more on that in terms of why it's important to have a QBR, especially for your growing customers? The Because I found that when I don't, it, we lose the customer and they end up going somewhere else is, is really the ultimate business reason. But Customers that are trying to expand their product offerings and or expand their number, number of locations, understanding where they're going as they're going both geographically and or size of store or size of technology. You know, growth can mean any number of things. It could be growing their technology stack. It could be growing their number of locations. It could be growing the physical, you know, offerings, the four well economics within those, those deals. They're looking to start catering in the same kitchen that they're doing dining room service as those customers are growing, you've gotta be in front of them no less than what four times a year to understand where they're at and where they're going. I'll give you a, a perfect example of where it's working well for us. We have a client that's growing and they historically, up until this year, were only in two states, Colorado and Texas. They now are um, offering, their offering is now gonna be expanded to 19 states in 2021. Not knowing what those, 17 other states are and being able to know that we can facilitate their needs both from a product perspective does the product do what we need it to do does our service offering does our deployment offering 
does our, you know, across the board, there's so many different things that we're going to have to evaluate as we do our internal planning, that if I didn't know that they were going to 17 states in 2021, um, I might have a product market gap. I might have a services gap. I might have a technological gap. And so in general, we need to understand where those customers are going. This just happens to be a geographic expansion. But then there's another customer that I was just at the other day that was looking to start a catering company. They were looking to start a catering company and they didn't consider us because we're a restaurant point of sale provider to call and say, hey, what catering software integrates back with our point of sale software so that I can have one GL and one set of books? When I pointed at them and said, here's three different, we can do, you know, tell me, tell me a little bit about what your catering offering is going to be. Can we fulfill that need with the point of sale? Ultimately, the answer was no. But now I pointed them to three different catering solutions that also integrate with their ERP and with their back end so that they can look at one set of books and not have two different sets of books from point of sale to the catering company. Catering is a very different business than a, than a brick and mortar restaurant. Our product at the time or today doesn't fit that need. But I, as part of that, I also look at it as a business owner and say, do I need to integrate those into my product? Because if I go to five or six different QBRs and now they're starting a catering company, maybe I need to either pick up a catering piece of software or I need to integrate it into the ISV software that we're writing with those features and functions. And so that's how I utilize those growing customers because their, their needs, their demands are historically almost outpacing the technology and what our product offering is. And it helps us to decide, do we go into those new markets? Do we go into those new product offerings? So I know that was a lot, um, but uh, hopefully that gives you guys a little bit more clarity as to why those are essential. They, you cannot go without those for those customers that are on high growth mode. Yeah, because it's almost like just like a friend that you haven't seen for a long time. In order to catch up, you're only going to get to the surface level things where if you're checking in with somebody who's growing exponentially, you'll be able to keep pace with what they're doing, what they need, and with the conversations, or else you'll you'll drift. I feel like I'm in a counseling session now. You'll grow apart as you mature, right? Is that essentially what it is? Like they're growing customers. The rate of change is just so fast internally for them that you've got to be able to hang out with them and have a sit down. Let's put all the day-to-day -day aside and let's talk about your business. Let's talk about our business. Is that essentially what you're saying? You just, you will not be able to keep up no matter how skilled a business leader you are. Absolutely. Or you won't even know that they have a need and they will fulfill the need. The question is, will they fulfill the need with their trusted advisor partner or will they fulfill the need somewhere else without you? And, you know, nothing sucks worse than when you walk into a customer and go, hey, they just replaced their point of sale and I didn't even know it yep. because I wasn't able to fulfill their needs. Yep. They'll go with somebody who knocked on their door more recently or, or called them uh, more recently. So, all right, that's growing customers, flat customers. So your advice is keep engaged with them, but they might not require a business review every single quarter, but make sure you offer them counsel once or twice a year. Why do you say that? So uh, let's define what a flat customer is. To me, a flat customer is one of those customers that's not necessarily in growth mode. They're either going through a reorg or they're just, you know what, they're okay. They've got their four, five, six locations, but they don't necessarily have desires to grow significantly. Um, but again, not a whole lot different than those growing customers. Understanding what their business needs are and how you can fulfill them is, you know, is oftentimes a good reason to just be in front of them. And amazingly, when you call those customers, they tell you what they want. And if you can fulfill them, 
oftentimes they'll trade dollars for those services or those products that you have. And so those flat customers, one or two times a year is, I don't say plenty, but you know, you should always want to talk to your customers more often than not, but they probably don't want to talk to you that much because their, their needs probably aren't changing that significantly. Um, again, back to your trusted advisor status, the one to two times a year should be to offer them something that is going to be fulfilling and necessary for them. It could be something as simple as, hey, did you realize that there's some labor law changing in your area? Here's a piece of software that might be able to help you to be able to fulfill that labor law change. Um, you know, I'd love to understand a little bit more about your business and, and see what we can do to help you. That's kind of the offering. It's You're going to be giving, but ultimately it's going to engage a conversation and allow them the opportunity to tell you some things that are, that are going on within their business. And most likely you'll probably get an opportunity, or at least they might know, hey, we have these two new product offerings. You know, if you're interested, let us know if you need them. Chances are they won't because they're stagnant, but maybe they have started a catering business and now, you've, now you're offering a piece of catering software. And so that, uh, that would be my suggestion on those customers that are flat, meaning they're, you know, they've been the same five locations and they're gonna stay those same five locations probably until, you know, for the next 10 years, they don't really have a huge need to, to grow significantly. Right, and every 90 days they'll say, you'll you know, ask them about their business, they'll be like, it's pretty much the same as it was. Like, what more do you want me to, what more do you want me to say uh, with that? And I guess just one clarification for folks who might be, uh, wanna make sure we clearly state this. This doesn't mean growing customers, you should only talk to them every 90 days and flat customers only once or twice a year. There's mm -hmm. gonna be those regular day-to-day -day interactions. This is the times where you should pause and say, let's review your business, let's review our business, let's review our relationship overarching, take a step back and, and slow down to do that. So just wanna make sure we clarify that. So, all right, last is shrinking customers. And you say they tend to not want a quarterly business review and just help them with their day-to-day -day operations, which is likely their focus. Um, yep. well, I guess, what color would you add to that? Um, you know, the, the shrinking customers are those that are that are in, you know, and I'm sure um, last year you guys saw lots of customers either go out of business or, or shrink, meaning they're not in a mode to to invest anything, invest time, invest energy. They're doing everything and anything that they can um, to keep their doors open and keep from having to close additional locations or, you know, whatever, whatever business they're in. And um, I know a lot of my examples are from the restaurant industry and the hospitality side. Um, these same QBRs work for grocery, they, the same QBRs work for retail. And so don't make it just exclusively about the examples that I happen to know, just because that's the business I'm in. But they're shrinking customers. They're, unless you're going to give them, you know, your joke about your sign on the door for the podcast, you know, do not interrupt unless you've got a million dollars. Unless you're walking in and saying, I'm going to save you tens of thousands of dollars, the chances are they don't necessarily want to talk with you because they're just trying to keep their doors open, keep employees paid, keep vendors paid keep their rent on and keep their lights on. And so as they're closing locations, they're trying to decide who gets paid this week. They're probably not in a mood to go invest time or energy to look at what the gorgeous future that you're going to paint for them is. They're gonna only see you as an annoyance and turn you off for when you really do have something of value, you become the boy that cried wolf because you're always trying to sell them something when you're not, you know, you're not somebody that, uh, that, that has anything to offer of value to them. 
right, don't have a quarterly business review just because 90 days have passed and it's like, well, I guess I have to engage in this activity. There's got to be the purpose behind it. And you're saying there just isn't quite that level of purpose with the shrinking customers. And to add a little bit more detail, what Jeremy alluded to, I put a sign, I work in an office park. And so I put a sign on my door. I don't want to just say, do not disturb, but I say, you know, recording in progress, please don't interrupt me. Unless you have a million dollars, then by all means come in. And I want to extend that to our listening audience as well. If you do have a million dollars you want to give me, I won't give up my address, but it's jroddy at gorspa.org. Uh, more than happy to take that, and I'll give uh, I'll give 10% of the proceeds to the RSPA scholarship fund. Just because yeah, I'm, I'm I would say, do I get a cut for being your pitch man on that one? No, <laughs> no, no, no. You should have asked for the cut before you uh, mentioned it to our audience. So, ah, so silly. <laughs> you know what? I'll throw you a bone. I'll I'll give you a hundred dollars out of uh, out of the million that I get. Um, all right, so moving on, uh, who should attend the QBR? Let's talk about it quickly from two perspectives. First, the customer team and then the VAR team. So, Jeremy, you say from the customers, they should have at least one executive who can detail their strategy and then at least one manager or team lead who works with the technology regularly. I think I know why that is, but uh, what's some of the detail you can put behind? Why do you insist on those two uh, perspectives being at the table for the QBR? Um, the executive, you know, slash somebody that can make a decision at the high level, because they oftentimes are aware of where the business strategy is going. What are the needs of the business? But they oftentimes aren't the one that's going to execute on the strategy, nor are they going to put something in lab to test it or to evaluate those things. They're going to kind of be the leader. The executive has to be the leader that says, this is where we're going. We're going to have rapid expansion and we, you need to be ready. Back to that example of the 17 new states in 2021. You, we're going to go to 17 new states and I need you to be ready. That executive is the one saying, you know what, rapid growth, you know, two stores a month, um, two stores a month, they're going to be going in. The person that's, that's the manager or the team lead that's at the lower level is the one that needs to now build the business process to make sure that we can execute on, on that, that flip side. And so, Oftentimes the executive, you might be lucky to get them in the in the room once a you know once a quarter to be able to do that. Whereas your team lead manager should be on your at least monthly, if not weekly, calls if you've got a high growth customer. And so that's why, from a customer perspective, and this is um, this is not exclusive. You know, this is not the these are the two that you have to have. I would say that there are potentially more you know business business uh, unit leads that might go into this. You know, if a QBR is going to talk about rolling out a new payroll system in 2021, um, you might want the team lead that's part of that, plus the executive above them, plus the person in IT that's going to be cross-functional, that's going to roll out the technology that's going to do that. And so um, I, I want to mention, these are the two that are that have to be there, but you may have additional people um, beyond just these two. Yeah, and I can say for years I've done uh, customer health checkup merchant surveys for resellers in our industry. So we help you conduct the survey. I get to see the results. I analyze them. And Jeremy, I don't want to say it happens every survey, but it happens on a significant percent of the surveys. The same company will respond, but the higher level person will say it's going well or it's not going well. And then the person who's in the day to day will say the opposite of what the other person uh, had said. So 100%, you've got to get those two perspectives or you're going to get a skewed view of, of actually what's going on and, and where your merchant is going. Uh, for the VAR team, you say that four folks must be there. One is your account manager. So in other words, your salesperson. Another is your customer service manager. So like the lead help uh, desk 
technician, also an executive to represent your leadership team. And then you say optional, a junior employee to observe the QBR. Again, I think we know why one through three should be there. What do you say, why do you have that a junior employee uh, should be considered invited to these QBRs? Um, it's exposure. Um, you know, and, and again, we've used the RSPA, you know, events with both virtual and on site as exposure. Putting somebody that, that's been with the company for a year out in front of executives of a customer, it's amazing to, to contextualize what their role in the organization is and how the impact, whether they're a customer service rep, they're an implementation manager, they're a field service person, they're a junior salesperson, they're, you know, uh, an accounting person. All of those roles exist within our organization, but until you actually sit in front of the customer and hear what their needs are, it creates such a level of context and it doesn't cost you but a couple of hours of your time at the most to have this junior person join. Um, it's been amazing to hear the insight and they grow. They grow tremendously. They grow their, they, you know, you have to coach them beforehand. This is you're here to listen. You're here to take notes and we're going to debrief after. I don't need you to run the show, you know, as the executive that has has sat in on, on many of these meetings. I need you to listen. I'm going to have you, you're going to show up with a notepad and a pen. You're going to dress appropriately and you're going to take notes. And then on our drive home from the QBR after, we'll have a 15 minute debrief. You're going to tell me, what did you learn? What did you hear? What did you see? And what are you going to take with you into your job next week? And it makes it really, really tactical for them to understand what do the customers want? What do the customers need? Because it also creates a level of clarity when, when we and the executive team will go roll out some new program and they're like, why the heck are we taking on a catering piece of software? Well, the last three QBRs, a catering piece of software has shown up in all of them. So it's not this, well, my life just got harder. You realize that that's what our customers want in order for us to fulfill those needs. Um, I'd love to... Um, talk about the other three positions because I think it makes sense. I don't know if you're going to ask that question, but um, the 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 role of the account manager and the customer service person, your first two, are really the people that should be leading the meeting. The executive team members should also be in listen mode. They might be able to be the you know shaking hands and kissing babies. Let me introduce myself. But their role is also to be very similar to that junior employee. How deep is the relationship? Is there a trust level built up? Are they really listening to what the customer wants or are they just trying to sell what it is that they want to sell? That executive is, is really representing the leadership team in a way that they can take and internalize that and use it as an opportunity for those other two team members to do a pseudo evaluation as to, are they really fitting in with the values of the organization? Are they really an extension of that customer's um, team or are they just trying to get one over on them to get a sale made? Are they just trying to save their own bacon on the customer service team or save that team member that always gets complaints, but they're hanging out and having beers on Friday night. So they're just going to continue to make excuses for Steve. That's not really good at his job. The customers are always complaining about Steve, but this, you know what, as an executive, you have a spidey sense that there, that might be going on, but this is going to be the proof. And so your job is to be the glad handing. Let me just make sure that we're supporting the relationship, but don't be the star of the show as the executive let your team shine and listen for the details so that you can write those things down. And in your debrief, that becomes part of your coaching opportunity for your account manager, your customer service rep, and your junior person that, that, that attended.
Got it. I'm good. Thank you for, for all that color. And so just I'll add a couple of quick things to it. One, I had a, a business owner. And so this is for our internal steering committee meetings, but that's also a time where you as the owner of the company can just end up pontificating and doing all the talking. He would write <clears throat> on the agenda for the meeting, in all caps, smart silence. And when he felt like talking and jumping in and dominating the conversation, he would just trace over smart silence, smart silence. That was his way to keep himself in check. And he would speak uh, last. And it sounds like that's what you're saying is the mode that the executive uh, uh, has to go into. Um, I'll also say I was a big fan of uh, bringing in younger people, you know, less experienced folks into some of those strategic meetings and let them know, you know, this has to stay in the room. You can't be talking about things outside. And I remember one in particular in the middle of a recession had a lot of hard decisions to make. And a young executive, we walked out of there like, okay, we made the decisions and we're gonna go forward. He walked out of there like, oh my gosh, that was so taxing, that was so emotional. I can't believe it, like I need to go lie down. And it was like, why? And it was, he hasn't didn't deal with those big strategic changes, but he actually got to see how things were made and the paces that we went through. We didn't just flip a coin or say, I have this gut feeling to do it. And I'm guessing mm -hmm. that's part of this too, is why you bring those junior people in uh, as well. You know, I'm a vegetarian, but you kind of get to see how the sausage is made. And then after time they go, oh, it's not magic. It's not scary. It's just these day-to-day -day things uh, that we do in decisions that need to be made. I guess my understanding that as well in terms of why the junior person, why it's good for them to be in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, they learn so much more about what's going on within that customer relationship and what's going on from our product offering and even what the customer's perception of our business is. And it gives them the steering wheel to go fix that later. Um, without them, they just think, oh, the executives just go do their thing and I just get to be you know, no, you, it's a, it's a sought after thing that people want to participate in these things. Got it. Great. Thank you for that. All right. So how long should the meeting take? So meeting duration, uh, it's typically dependent on um, how many of the services that the customer utilizes. For most QBRs should be 30 to 60 minutes, larger customers, 60 or 90 minute or longer sometimes. And especially for those larger customers, an additional 30 minute monthly meeting may be appropriate. Jeremy, what would you say in terms of meeting duration beyond what we've spelled out here uh, on the slide? Um, I think that those are all, you know, obviously these are some of the notes that, that you and I put together. Um, I think you got to take your cue from the customer. You know, some want it longer, some want to dig through every level of detail. I mean, you know, some of the reports I sent you, I think from one of our examples, that was like a four hour meeting, but they wanted to dig into every detail and they were very much a root cause analysis type customer. And they wanted to dig in, what's the root cause of this? What's the root cause of this? What's the root cause of this? And they kept just digging, digging, digging. And they would want us to have those levels of details. Most customers, it's it's an hour. You know, it's an hour. And you might throw a, a meal in on top of that, you know, to where, you you know, you have a meal and you you do the QBR right after you have a have the QBR and then you do a meal um, to make it a little bit more casual. Um, if you're, you know, if for your larger customers, for sure. But um, but I think 30 to 60 minutes, a, a quarter you present. And again, we'll go through the items that are that are to be presented. You present these things, you present them a couple of days ahead of time so that they have, you know, meat to go. They're not seeing it for the very first time. And then and then. Uh, allow them uh, allow them to uh, to ask questions and and you either need to have an answer to your question or you need to have a follow-up within seven days to the answer to their question with a, a go forward step for for it great and our next slide is the actual agenda but there is a note here before we get to the agenda that says cover your agenda first then ask what you could be doing better for them why is that jeremy um 
because it's your meeting. You're taking the time to review what it is that you're offering to that customer and you're setting some guidelines. I'll give you a, a really funny anecdotal conversation. We were doing one of these QBRs and Art reminded me of this just, um, just a week or two ago. We're doing this QBRs and, and we're going through SLA metrics. And again, we'll talk about it here on this next slide. We're going through SLA metrics and, and um, we had set some pretty proper SLAs and they were very common within the industry. We, we were achieving those SLAs at 98% or 99% and, and um, we're sitting in this QBR and the CEO stands up and, and it's like, this is ridiculous. We can't have an eight hour down for, you know, eight hours for a printer down. Who the heck signed this? And you turn over the SLA and it happens to be his signature on that <laughs> SLA document. Um, and it just creates alignment back to why do you do these things? It creates alignment that, you know what, while it was an embarrassing thing for the CEO to stand up in the middle of this meeting and say, who the heck would sign a document that says you have this amount of time to get this service rendered? Amazingly, when they looked at it and they said, oh, we're not paying for that level of service. We want that level of service. I have that option. We can pay a little bit more to get the level of service that I'm saying in my head that I want. Or we made a business decision not to choose to you know, go up to the platinum service. We're just buying the gold service. And so that's a quick quick anecdote as to why you want to, you want to talk about the things that you're doing for this business and how you understand the relationship to be so that you don't get caught with the, you know, the, it's our meeting. We're scheduling it so that we can be better. Yeah. My old boss used to say, oh, sure. Use my own words against me, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Because you will, you will contradict yourself. So yeah, it's, it's good to be uh, good for everybody to get on the same page, literally and figuratively. So, all right. So the agenda for those of you again watching on on YouTube, you're able to see that as well. But we'll share it with the folks who are just listening on audio. So a guideline first is to email a copy of the meeting agenda and all the relevant reports to all the meeting participants a couple days before the QBR. And so again, that gives everyone time to digest the data and conserves time during the meeting as opposed to everybody, you know, crawling through line by line and people are like, I've never seen this before. So we have six different, you know, items for this standard QBR agenda. So one is the report review. What are you charging the customer for and getting into it has in there potentially sales made, support calls, services utilized. Then SLA review, which Jeremy uh, referred to. And you're talking about comparing the performance versus the SLA. Are you hitting the mark, missing the mark? And then if things are outside the SLA, well, why are we outside the SLA? Is it us? You know, does a customer need an upgrade? Is it customer training? Uh, third is then we're getting to that, what could we be doing better for you? An open-ended Q&A. Fourth is the customer's future plans. Uh, find out their goals and objectives of the next 12 months any budgeting that they're going to be doing the next 12 months and also the customer's most important news from the past quarter what things you need to keep up with uh fifth is your future plans and then sixth you have to close the loop and map out the next steps you and your customer are going to take so again that's report review sla review what could we be doing better for you customer's future plans that doesn't rhyme with the first three uh, then your future plans and then close the loop uh, jeremy any of these points you would like to expand upon for our, our audience today um, no, I think these points are all very salient. The one thing I would say to everybody is you should expect to take no less than seven to 10 times the amount that you're going to take in the meeting to prepare the agenda and the contents to be delivered to them. You need to know why you missed your SLA and have a answer to that. Because if you're going to put a, front, a report in front of them saying you missed your SLA 12% of the time, they're going to, they're going to want to ask you. And as a trusted advisor, you're going to want to know these things. You're going to want to know where is your business going? We talk about future plans. 
make sure that you're pretty articulate as to where you're at, where you're going. Hey, we're expanding our product offering. We're moving our support facility. We're expanding our desk to, to you know, a third location. Those are your future plans, but you need to have that articulated. And again, it, the, the more preparation you put into it, the better off it's gonna be. So no less than seven to 10 times the amount of time that you're gonna actually have in the meeting, preparing for the meeting and making sure that you're ready to do these six items. Yeah, don't show up just with reports and with questions and a pen to jot down your takeaways. You've got to have some answers uh, when they're posed to you. Uh, Jeremy, can you expand upon, you know, there's a report review and it says, what are you charging the customer for? And I know from talking to managed services providers over the years, they, if they don't share reports with their customers, if they don't show their work and show what they're doing, the customer will say, we haven't had any problems in like a year. 18 months, we haven't had any downtime. I don't think there's any problems. I don't need your service level. Or like you said, I don't need to have that platinum. I can go back to gold or silver or bronze or maybe nothing uh, at all. Is that part of why you have to show them what you're doing in order to make sure that you're maintaining the sale? So they don't say, ah, I don't really know what these guys do for me. Let's go with somebody cheaper. Let's not let's not do this at all. Is there an element of that as well? That's exactly why you, why you show your work. It's to show them that you are fulfilled facilitating you know what it is that they're paying for that you're doing a good job of whether that's rollout services whether that's config services whether that's you know menu management i know you've got your list of recurring revenue items you know the majority of that should be your recurring revenue items and and showing them you've subscribed to these services these are other services that we offer um but they need to understand how what did they buy from you this year and again this whole time you as an executive especially should be sitting there jotting down things that the customer is saying as an opportunity to expand your service offerings or say hey you know what we sold you xyz you know five systems this this you know five five workstations in the last quarter um you know how are they working out for you and and ask that question you know, we sold you five workstations. Is everything working as you expected it to? What's going, you know, what could we have done better with that? You know, again, that's a little bit on, on, on number three there. But when you reiterate to them, because they're busy running their business, you're not their top priority. As much as you might want to be their top priority, reiterating to them what you're doing for them, you know, um, you know, I tell my wife I love her every day because she needs to be reminded that I love her every day, you know. Um, and again, you need to tell your customers, we love you and this is what we're doing for you. Continue to do that. Continue to go down that path to remind them of the services and the products that you're that you're selling to them on a daily, weekly, monthly, and quarterly basis. Yeah, they will forget unless you make sure you tell them and that means they won't forget. So we'll go through these next, uh, these final slides very quickly, uh, just because what they are is again, the folks who can see on their screen, we have templates here over these next several pages that you can go and plug in dates and take out the reports and drop in your own. But we wanted to show you and give you the opportunity just to copy and paste and drop things in instead of having to create things uh, on your own. So the first slide is just a random, uh, I shouldn't say random, but it's company and random restaurant uh, cover page you have for quarterly meeting. And it has the date on there as well and, and the logos. It has the agenda very similar to what we showed you. Uh, I get a, a little less detail than what we walked through on the prior slide because we wanted to show some of the details in there. But you can see this helps you walk through and stay on track from the report review all the way through the next steps. And then you can see just some of these are sample 
uh, reports, like cases by sites is one. And then we have cases by type is another one. Monthly call counts year over year. We're not saying you have to have those on every single call, but what reports do you think are most important to share with the customer? And like Jeremy said, what are they actually paying for? And you wanna make sure you're able to show those as well. You can also see a dashboard here that we're showing for SLA review. Pull that data out, show it to your customer so they're able to see uh, that information. And then again, we have a closing slide uh, that we have in here for uh, a brief summary in terms of what you did cover for the day or next steps that wanna go on in terms of the support uh, improvement plan. And then you end up with a thank you slide. Again, all this stuff is optional. You can copy paste. That's what this uh, slide deck uh, is designed for. And again, for those who want copies of this, or if you want additional best practices for real retail IT VARs and ISVs, contact membership at GoRSPA.org. So Jeremy, before we take a quick commercial break and then take some questions from some resellers uh, that they submitted uh, to us, uh, what else would you want to say before we close out the slide deck here? The, the the last thing that I would say to everyone is make sure that you listen to your customers and do what they ask you to do, or at least have an answer for them. You need to have that debrief meeting with your own team to make sure that you didn't miss anything on the next steps. And then you need to be disciplined enough to follow up on those next steps. Don't make the customer have to drive to you. You drive it back to the customer when they say, hey, I really would like to see that new product offering. Make sure that you do it. Hey, I'd like to. I'd like you to go do some follow-up on why you missed SLA on the tier two type calls. Go figure out what those things are and then do a recap. Don't wait till next quarter to give that back to them. Keep it fresh in their mind. Stay in front of them and solve their problems beyond the initial meeting. You know that's great that you have this. You know eight hours to prepare for the meeting, thirty minutes or an hour for the meeting. But you got to make sure that you follow up beyond that because they'll stop having the meetings with you if you don't follow up and and fulfill what it is that they asked you for. So make sure that you give yourself some space in the subsequent days and weeks to make sure that you follow up with them on what they're asking for. Great, wonderful. Well, let's pause here to let our listeners and viewers know an RSP membership has never been more valuable or more affordable. Annual memberships for VARs start at just $250 a year for dozens of high value services, including access to a legal advisor, a security advisor, and a VAR and ISV business advisor, exclusive e-learning programs through the RSPA Academy, discounts on business services, and a college scholarship program for the families of RSPA reseller members. Vendors and software developers benefit from an RSPA membership as well through introductions to VAR and ISV members and by showcasing their solutions through the exclusive RSPA Solutions Center. Accelerate your success by joining the RSPA today. Also, thank you to our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star and Shift 4 Payments. Our gold sponsors are Heartland and ScanSource. To receive the benefits of an RSPA membership or RSPA sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. Finally, don't forget to save the date for Retail Now 2021. That's July 25th through 27th in Nashville. Retail Now is where the industry meets. So Jerry and I collaborated on building this slide deck, and then we asked for feedback from several RSPA VAR members. They were all very positive in terms of that they liked it. They thought the framework was good. They thought the whole concept was was spot on. But they did ask us to expand upon some areas, and they posed some questions, which we'll answer right now. So, Jeremy, question number one is, what happens when you don't have a solution for a client? And this uh, reseller goes on to explain, we're facing that uh, down, a, we're sort of facing that uh, barrel right now. 
We have clients who are requesting basic functionality on our primary system that it simply doesn't have. It makes us look like poor VARs. And even though we aren't afraid to face the music and accept the criticism, we aren't getting any support from our software suppliers. How would you, how would you wrestle that one? Yeah, that one's a fun one um, because obviously, if it's your main main source of income, is that that partnership with that that vendor? Um, I would say it's two parts. Um, if it is something that is a continual, you know, we talked about it earlier. If it's a continual ask from people of the um, of your audience of your customer base, you need to put together a business case for yourself that says, hey, you know what? Every third customer that I talk to, every other customer I talk to, is looking for this. How do I solve this problem? Do I solve this problem by putting together the business case to the ISV and say, hey, I've got eight customers that would pay $99 a month for this module. I need you to do this because it's a requirement to be able to compete in today's day and age. Or do you find something else that fulfills that purpose and you can you know, get the customer what they need? Um, you know, I, I tell our team often, you know, the, the Dale Carnegie quote, you know, help enough people get what they want and they'll help you get what you want. You know, you help those customers fulfill that business need, they're gonna come back around. That may be through the core product that you have, or it may be a third party. Today, we've got a you know a chain that we work with that we introduce them to something that doesn't even integrate with our point of sale. We're not gonna make a dime on it, but it's solving a business need for them. Do you think they're gonna call us the next time that they need something? They're going to. And chances are we'll have fixed that problem by that time and gonna be able to give them what they need. Got it. Very nice. And if I can just pause, folks who are listening closely, you might hear some noises in the background. I just want to clarify, it's some construction going on in Jeremy's North Star office. It sounds like somebody's trapped in one of your drawers, actually, right? Or a cabinet in your office and they're yeah. banging to get out on occasion. So it's not that. It's something that's going on out in the I hallway. They're running, they're running conduit right above my head right now and they weren't supposed to be here today as we're recording. But, uh, you know, the show must go on, as they say. No worries. I just want to make sure folks know all is well and you don't have to call 911 uh, on the North Star offices and say there, there's a dungeon there. Um, all right. Our second question. So, uh, Jeremy, do you recommend doing this only to only people who have maintenance contracts or would this be for everyone? What about the clients who are break fix only? I would say that um, you should focus primarily on your customers that are partnering with you. Um, but my own philosophy is those customers that are, are break fix only, it's only a matter of time if you're not in front of them before they go away. So my, you know, chances are you need to, you need to look at your product stack and how you're monetizing your product stack. If the only way you're making money, and again, I'll go back to the, the famous Jim Roddy, you know, list of recurring revenue items. If they've got any level of recurring revenue item with you, you should be having a QBR with them even if that's only credit card processing, even if that's only a software support agreement, even if that's only, you know, go back to, you know, if they're growing and they have at least one of the, I don't know what the list is up to. I think the last time I downloaded it was 44 or 47, something like that. But um, if they have any level of recurring revenue with, with them, you need to absolutely make sure that you're, you're doing one of these things. But my philosophy has always been, if you're not in front of the customers, they're gonna have somebody else that's gonna give them more attention. And if they have somebody else that's going to give them more attention, they're going to ultimately not be a customer of yours in the future because somebody else that's going to be, be in front of them. Got it. And the list that Jeremy's referring to, it's called the ultimate list of recurring revenue products and services for POS resellers. And I just quickly checked it. I actually sent it to somebody uh, just uh, about a week ago. It's up to 43 products and services that POS VARs are actually offering on a recurring revenue 
basis. So uh, if you want a copy of that list, you can find it on the RSP website. You can just go onto the search function and do ultimate list, and it'll be one of the first things that pops up, or just email me directly. Again, if you want the list and you have that million dollars you want to give me, jroddy at gorspa.org. I'm going to try. That's my 2021 goal to turn this podcast into a personal fundraiser. Um, I was going to say, you're on the executive committee now. I'm a little nervous that I'm saying that uh, right in front I'll of help you. you. I'll help you do the GoFundMe page, you know? I, I appreciate that. Um, but as long as I'm giving some kickback uh, to you, it'll, it'll all be good. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, question number three, we only have a, a couple more uh, beyond this. Uh, it says, what do you think of having some corresponding example files or a write-up on an example customer of what their future plans were, what the VARS plans were, next steps, et cetera? I think for a lot of us, a VARS struggle with this and having that would be a big value and add to this tool. And so like my personal take on this, Jeremy, is like, man, that would be really, really difficult to do. Like that's a whole lot of work that goes into it. It almost seems like we'd be happier just to talk it through. And that's kind of what we've been doing over the past 45 minutes or so. But I guess I'll, I'll pass it back to you in terms of uh, your reaction to to that uh, that request from a reseller. Um, I would say it's it's two parts, and and we're privileged enough to work with a few um, publicly owned companies, and so I actually read their 10K every quarter to see what their CFO and CEO are saying they're going to go do, and that becomes part of my conversation in the QBR. If they don't bring it up, I bring it up to them and say, hey, I understand you guys are back to that example, expanding into new markets. Help me understand how we can help partner with you guys to make sure that we can fulfill that need. The examples though of what people are looking to do, it's just a vetting process. It's a, it's a continually asking what it is that they're looking to do. If you're not already doing as a business, you know, annual planning and quarterly planning to, to, to decide where your business is going, hopefully those things are in line with where you're, you know, with what your customers are looking for. Those should be in my mind, what you're displaying back to those people. Again, we've had this turnover for this person on the account. They grew into this area. We're going to be expanding this offering. We're going to be reducing this offering. We're, you know, it's not all for even for our own bar businesses. Hey, you know what? We're no longer going to be offering on-site service in Northern California. We, you know, I mean, this is something that's really happening within our business in 2021. We're going to be doing that. So part of the QBR, my next QBR with those customers that fit that fit that profile is, I'm going to go back to them and say, hey, you know what? We're no longer going to be offering on-site service. We're only going to be offering spare in the air in Northern California. The demand has dropped low enough that we don't need to do that. That's part of our annual planning that we decided we're going to reduce on-site service in that area. We lost a person. We decided not to backfill them when we did a business. The customers are going to understand. It's when they find out six months from now and they expected that somebody was going to be there and they weren't told that they get really, really pissed. Right. Right. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers the question that the VAR asked, but hopefully it uh, it gave a little bit more clarity. I don't have it in front of me to be able to answer it for sure, but I think I answered for the most part what they were asking about. And I'll say if folks want more details about how those conversations go, just like having a junior executive or a junior employee at the table, you can be that junior person with other RSPA members, lean on those folks in, in our community, reach out to Jeremy, reach out to other folks. Um, and I guess, Jeremy, what's your contact information for folks who, who want it, if they do want to get more details before we get to a couple more questions? Uh, it's jeremy.julian at cbsnorthstar.com. Um, I know for existing RSPA members, there's the member directory if you just go search my name. Or if you go to restauranttechnologyguys.com, it's jeremy at restauranttechnologyguys.com. 
Um, you know, one is the the, the blog and, and podcast that uh, that I run, um, all about restaurant technology. But you can get me at either of those places. I'm on all of the socials: Facebook, Instagram, more than I probably should be LinkedIn. Um, so you can hit me there too. It feels like the messages keep coming in from all angles. Yeah, if you don't if you don't reach out to Jeremy, if you say I don't know how to, you're not trying hard enough because you're it's definitely not available. All that hard to find me. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. There's there's lots of ways to get a hold of me. All right. Question number four says we also do a comparison to the same quarter last year and the previous year so they can see progress. It's great when we can show them that their caseload is coming down and our SLA percentage is going up year over year. Thoughts on that, Jeremy, on that practice? So it's a slippery slope and you got to be careful. And I know you talked about it with the MSP. If you continue to, to drive calls out of their, their organization, they then say, well, then can I pay less? And so you have to supplement the call volume with the um, proactive stuff of, you know, part of why call volume is going down is, so unequivocally it's needed that you have a quarterly, quarter over quarter, year over year look to, to show them that you're growing and, and where you have opportunities or where you have gaps. All um, customers know that you're gonna have service gaps and you're gonna miss your SLA from time to time. But um, in that regard, you just gotta be careful that you're also providing enough value for the dollars that you're collecting for that because then people start to say, well, you're just fleecing me because I don't know where else to go for this product or the service or this offering. Um, so um, I would say, yes, you need to make sure that you're offering value and in place of those other offerings, make sure you're offering something else of value to them that they value just as much or greater than the offering that you just took out, which was a nuisance service call that keeps coming in, but you put it in RMM that solved all of those nuisance service calls, well, look at, you know, we're paying for your RMM on your service contract because of this, you know, whatever, whatever that might be. Great point. Well, you've got to connect the dots for them or else they'll fill in the blanks with, with erroneous information. Absolutely. All right, last question for you. It says, along with the reports showing call volume, et cetera, I think it'd be beneficial to show a graph of what worked. This may require some data from the customer uh, through such as gift card sales, gift card redemption, increase of sales when online ordering was completed, increase in sales when a proper phone system was installed, increased sales and marketing efforts as well. And then the VAR ads, I just looked at a customer's gift card open balance report because they're selling the business. 1,445 open, most were sold in 2017. Many were never used at all. Basically free money for the restaurant. So again, this goes back to the examples that are in the QBR tool aren't the be all end all, it's not the only ones. You can certainly add other things as well. I guess, Jeremy, what's your response to the specifics that this reseller raised in his uh, or her question? I think, it, I mean, I, and I don't remember exactly what number it is because I don't have the slide deck in front of me, but that's really where you come and be that trusted advisor to share with them that says, hey, you know what? Let me just show you this value that we have as a point of, you know, if they've got a million dollars sitting as a liability, now bring them back a, a the law that says in certain states, you can actually recognize some portion of that as revenue. So what would that do for the business to educate them on this gift card report to, to what you just brought up? And again, I think you're in the business and you don't know how much you know, but if you can offer value to them, even if it's not helping you make money, but it's helping them make more money, now you get into that seat of being that place where they call you for almost everything. And oftentimes that turns into a sale and an opportunity to solve more of their problems, and they're gonna to continue to expand their product offerings. Nothing is cheaper than selling a, a service that you already offer to an existing customer. 
not having to go out and find a new customer to go sell it to. And so figure out how to get more things into that customer. And then they become stickier. There's more talons and hooks into them to where if they do need to go away back to that customer that we were talking about earlier that doesn't have a maintenance contract, if you've got more things that you're servicing them, they may you know, get, get rid of this one service, but if they've got six others, you still have this customer. I can tell you through 2020, that's part of what sustained our businesses. We had multiple offerings into these customers, some of which that they couldn't, they couldn't forego. And so they realized that they needed to continue to do those things. They may have turned down certain offerings, but turned up others. And so um, be that trusted advisor, help them to run their business more effectively and more efficiently through the things that you already are aware of and the things that you already know. Great, good advice there. So again, the ultimate guide to QBRs for VARS, the full slide deck is available exclusively to RSPA members. You can download the deck uh, from the RSPA website under the member, member business resources, or you can email membership at gorspa.org. Jeremy, final words of wisdom from you for our listeners about the ultimate guide to QBRs. You've been super generous with your time. What's your final nugget uh, for our listeners and viewers? Ultimately, you guys are an extension of your customers. You are the IT wing of your customers, you know, and they may have their own IT department, but you are an extension of that. Be that extension. Be happy to help these customers succeed. And guess what? Ultimately, they'll help you succeed if you do that. Fantastic. Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy, the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, giant thanks again to Jeremy Julian for sharing his wisdom with us today and also through that QBR tool. Thanks also to RSPA marketing manager Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point of sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.